Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. I don't really know how much I pay attention in the first segment. Some days. Just the first segment? You paying attention to the other segments? <laughs> well, most of the time. <laughs> Depends on what we're talking about, I guess. <laughs> when Look, it's the Dodgers and where yes, Chris Taylor's yes. going. If, he, when, if when he's shopping Dodgers. for a hat. Yes. Yeah. There's a good deal on Amazon. I will. I, it's Christmas time, so you'll hear clicking over here, and it won't be me catching up on the notes. You buying for yourself or you buying for other people? No, I bought, uh, I bought yesterday. I started clicking for other people. It's Christmas time. I started clicking, and Look it's dangerous when I start clicking. It's not Man. good. But oh, I have no idea what to buy. Like my entire family. No. I don't have a clue. Well, the mother, a new hatchet. Yeah. I think it's the one still going strong. She had a Thanksgiving dinner. She, so had, a, she had a turkey. So. She didn't, didn't complain about not being able to behead her animals. What were those stones that uh, rotated during medieval times to sharpen? Oh, <laughs> yes, to sharpen the hatchet. She has one of those. Oh, she my God. Are you serious? I don't think she's ever used it, but we absolutely had, like, a sharpening stone, like, a so basically a wheel with a square hole in the middle to put put it in. We didn't have the actual machine to make it spin, but we absolutely had a sharpening wheel. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it gets, okay, I was it gets better. Yes, it gets better and better as we go on with the whole tales of Mississippi. <laughs> Listen, when I would, like, in college have to go back to my mother's for, like, summer or whatever <laughs> i just had a list of chores that included like get, you go up on the roof with a blower that's like a backpack on right. your back and blow right. off the, the pine leaves straw. And, stuff. and looking back on it i was like i wasn't exactly that coordinated with an extra <laughs> 70 pounds on my back on this roof right or like hey go dig some holes i want to plant these bushes Oh, guess what? There's seven tree roots there. Here's the pickaxe. Oh, dig up the roots. Those are the worst. Jesus. I used to have to dig up roots at the house for the wife. Oh, the, the roots nightmare. are the worst. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare. I don't know how people do it. Yeah, one time I was using the pickaxe, and the actual axe came Broke off the handle. The handle? What Could a killed disaster. somebody. Boy. Like myself. <laughs> that didn't happen. So there's a reason that we're all in sports radio. Yes, exactly. I very much set out to do as little manual labor as possible after I life? got away. Yes, that is 100% a goal. Part of the reason why Las Vegas is great. I don't have to do yard work. No, it's, it's all, de- all desert landscape. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's great. Like hell, at our place, they even come by and cut the bushes in the front yard for us. It's spectacular. Really? Yeah. On the HOA? Yeah, and they cut them so short, they look like they're dead. And we're like, what the hell are you doing? But whatever. <laughs> well, you're not going to argue if they're doing it and no, you're not. Not at all. You know, the first bite. Uh, I was going to set you up with the press box transition. You know who else isn't good? <laughs> press box transition. <laughs> Is UNLV worse than they were <laughs> See, last season? That's a great transition. Oh. Well, beat to death so far how bad they are offensively, but watching last night, I was more apt to check them out on the defensive end, and they were 
just as if almost as bad. And I'm wondering, I'm thinking back, was it the Wichita State game in a half they were really bad offensively? There's like one half where they were like really bad defensively. But for the most part, it seems like they've been good defensively until last night where they were not good defensively. And then you had the bad offense, and all of a sudden you were down to SMU by like 42 to 14. Uh, Wichita State had a really good second half offensively. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. But I think it was more about uh, ETN, their best player. He hit like six yeah, threes. Yeah, he was really half. good. It wasn't, that wasn't to me so much UNLV playing poor defense as much as it was. That guy got was, was unbelievable in that half. But last night, I mean, it reminded me of last year. UNLV couldn't stay in front of anybody off the dribble like they could not do it and last year that was a big problem UNLV was a pretty slow unathletic team last year and they got beat off the dribble quite a bit and what happens is help side defender comes and then they kick it out for a three or they drop it off to somebody cutting to the rim and get a wide open shot and that happened last year and we talked a bunch about the roster not being very good the roster not being you know athletic enough and quick enough and that's what we thought Kevin Kruger fixed Right, that's what we thought. Yeah, that Kevin was Kruger went who out, who he brought in, and got a bunch of athletic guys, got a bunch of guys that are long, got a bunch of guys that should be just through, you know, be as their physical bodies compared to last year's team, better defenders. And yesterday they were terrible. I mean, yesterday they got beat off the dribble like nonstop, nonstop. It was pretty pathetic how poorly they defended yesterday, and that's sort of where the question comes in about this team compared to last year because they are worse offensively. There's no doubt they're worse offensively. And if they're going to have games like that defensively, this team's not any better than last right. year's team. No, I mean, if the, if they defend like last night, like last night, all of a sudden my prediction, they're going to high, finish higher than seventh in the Mountain West <laughs> is not looking. It's like my prediction of who's the best AFC team football team. I have to keep changing. So if they're going to defend like they last night, uh, they won't be in it in the Mountain West. It's one game, but... It was pretty stark in how bad they were defensively last night. And you kind of like you kind of pause and say, "Oof, that's not very good." Yeah. And and they're going to play better teams than SMU, right? I'll tell you that. Like SMU's, solid. they might be playing a better one. What is it? Sat- yeah, they are. Saturday. San Francisco's yeah better than SMU. Like SMU's solid. It's not like UNLV got blown out by some god awful team, right. but there are better teams in the Mountain West than SMU. There's no doubt about that. SMU would be a you know fifth best fifth. team in the Mountain fifth. West, something like that. So there are better teams in this conference than SMU, and UNLV is going to have to play them, and they're going to play a lot better than that. What I'm fascinated to see is I think that Kevin Kruger, as far as like coaching and like a test for a first-time head coach, how he reigns in his players because they have guys that are not good shooters, not good scorers, shooting with like unbelievable freedom. Last night, Reese Brown shot a three. Now, you know, he was down by like 20 in the second half, so it wasn't that big of a deal, but Reese Brown shot a three, didn't hit the rim. Uh, Royce Ham had a possession. You know, he actually got the score down to 12 in the last three minutes yeah. last night. Yeah. They got the ball. Royce Ham got it. They, for some reason, throw it to him like 15 feet away. He just catches, faces up, and shoots from 15 feet away. Donovan Williams on like the second or third position of the game with like 20 on the shot clock. Drives to the baseline, 15 feet away, throws up an off-the-dribble jump shot. These are guys that are not proven scorers that are taking bad shots. Like, these aren't good shots they're taking. These are bad shots they're taking. And maybe, and here's where sort of the first sign of Kevin Kruger needing to rein it in is, Bryce Hamilton got benched briefly last night. He got taken out of the game roughly 90 seconds, two minutes into the game. 
after he took a pull-up mid-range jumper with like 15 seconds on the shot right. clock, right? It wasn't like, oh, clock's running out, just make something happen. There was plenty of time to get a better shot. He takes a pull-up mid-range jumper. We've seen Bryce Hamilton do that for three years now. That's what he loves to do. Kevin Kirker took him out of the game. He did not play for the next four minutes of that game. And when asked about it afterwards, Kevin Kruger talked about shot selection and basically they got to get into their heads what is and is not a good shot. That's the big test going forward here because for the first eight games of the season, these guys have played like they've left the green light. Like Kevin Kruger has right. never said anything to them about, hey, that's a bad shot. He's got to tell them, hey, that's a bad shot. We're not winning any games if you keep taking that shot. And I think we started to see that against SMU, but he's going to have to keep doing that because it's not just Bryce Hamilton. This is a roster full of guys that have been taking bad shots. No, but in benching Bryce Hamilton, their best player, I thought it, uh, hopefully it sent a message to him. We'll see. He thinks Bryce will, you know, Bryce was fine with it. Maybe not fine with it, but it didn't affect him and he'll come back and do it. I mean, how much more should, I think he should be doing this a lot, no matter who the player is. Yeah. To make, to send a message. I don't care if it's Bryce Hamilton or Reese Brown or whoever it is. I mean, Donovan Williams played six minutes last night. He's a starter. Who's the number two scorer on this team and played six minutes. Now, he got into some foul trouble in the first half and sat. And then first offensive possession of the second half, Donovan Williams dribbled it off his foot. First defensive possession, he committed a foul, and it was his third, and Kevin Kruger pulled him out of the game, and he never went back in. So I think there was a level of, like, punishment by minutes played last night of where, hey, you're out. Like, you've been awful tonight. You're just sitting on the bench the rest of the game. Hey, Bryce, that's not a good shot. Come sit next to me for four right. minutes or whatever. So I think we are seeing it. To me, though, we're eight games in. I feel like that th this shouldn't be – it's still early, but this shouldn't be this big of a problem now. Like, this is something that should probably have in their heads before the season even starts, and it's not like this is the first time we've seen a Donovan Williams, a Royce Ham, a Bryce Hamilton take a bad shot this year. So it feels like this is something that should have already been figured out. And my curiosity goes to – how did Kevin Kruger, I guess, recruit these guys? Did he recruit Donovan Williams and say, hey, come on to UNLV. I got 25 minutes a game for you and so many shots, the freedom to shoot. Like you've been on the bench at Texas. You've barely gotten to play. Come on to UNLV. We're going to we're going to unleash you. You're going to be able to just let it fly offensively. I'm curious about the recruiting pitch to these guys because he did not recruit good offensive players, but yet they all take shots like they are good offensive players. And we're just now seeing eight games in Kevin Kruger finally say, Hey, that's not a good shot. We got to pull you out of the game. I wonder what the recruiting pitch was and sort of how that's now being portrayed against how the season's actually going. Well, knowing kids in 2021, I'd be shocked if the recruiting pitch was you're a really good defender. That's all you're going to do. Right. <laughs> I mean, everyone wants to shoot. Everyone wants to score. You're sitting on benches at these power five schools and not getting an opportunity to do that. They all think they're scores. They all think they can shoot. They all think, you know, they can make a difference at the offensive end. My guess is, I don't know if it was his leading statement when he talked to them, but sure, I would think he'd have to have said you're going to get more shots. I mean, no kid right. wants to hear you're only going to defend. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. And that, and listen, that's fine. Like Royce Ham, if he rolls to the basket and there's nobody around, shoot, right. put, put the ball in the hole. But Royce Ham should probably not be shooting unless he's right at the rim. He shot okay from three this year, so I'm willing to give him a little bit of a leniency with, hey, maybe you can throw up a, three more, a few more threes until you really start missing. But, like, Royce, Will, Royce Ham and, and Donovan Williams are both two guys that probably shouldn't shoot unless they're at the rim or open from three. And that's pretty much it. Like, 
honestly, nobody should be shooting mid-range jumpers, but you're you're okay with Bryce Hamilton taking one late in the shot clock. I think you're okay with even like a Jordan McCabe taking one late in the shot clock. But the rest of them, like if there's if there's more than ten seconds on the shot clock, it it's got to be a layup or an open three. Right. And for some of them, maybe not even an open three, unless your name is Justin Webster. Hey, at least that guy hits well, threes. Well, Justin Webster was four or five. <laughs> Finally hit some. Yeah. So it's just they have. They have a long way to go offensively just from a standpoint of figuring out who on this team is actually good because they still they still don't have a secondary option. Right. Like Mike Nuka actually got to the rim last night. He did. Yeah, he could finish them. He had five layup what? attempts. He missed them all. Yeah. <laughs> like they were all contested. It's not like he missed open layups, but like it's good that Mike Nuga was able to create some layups. It's bad that they were all contested and he missed them all. So, like, they have not answered the question of who's the secondary option. They have not shot well from three except for Justin Webster yesterday. Like, they have a lot of offensive problems, and now there's another one of, hey, you just got to rein in shot selection at this point. That's not even, like, a talent thing. That's just, hey, do you know which shots you should and should not be taking? And eight games in, they don't really appear to know I- that. I thought they would have been better in the Ken Palm of 119 defensively before last night. Yeah. Is not. that after the game? Uh, yeah, but they were only like 109 or something okay. before last night. Like their their defense, it's... it's well, plus if they're it, 175 and 119, they are finished seventh in yeah, the Mountain West. That's their, their Ken Palm offensive ranking is 175 right now. Defense is 119. Like their defense is... It's been solid, but like Wichita State still, Wichita State's best offense of the game of the year came against UNLV. Right. Michigan's second best offensive game of their season came against UNLV. Like the defense has been fine, but there've still been a couple of games where it's like, oh, they, they weren't great in that one. So, you know, 119th defensively is relatively fine for UNLV, but it does like if they're going to finish higher than seventh, if they're going to finish fourth or fifth, the defense is going to have to be top 100. Mm-hmm. Like the offense is not getting no, the offense isn't getting top 100, not getting anywhere close. All right, coming up next, Major League Baseball is petty. Rick, high fly ball to left and good by Soler with a monster blast into left, and the Braves lead three nothing here in the third. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. We have a lockout in Major League Baseball yesterday. The we did it. Owners uh, enforced a lockout after the CBA <laughs> expired uh, at midnight yesterday. Um, did you see though that MLB.com has removed? anything <laughs> about current players. And I mean, and like, so if you go to MLB.com right now and look up a bio for Corey Seager, well, if you just go to the, the homepage, there are no stories about current players. They've got a bunch. They've got stuff about like Ichiro going to play with some kids in Japan about like hall of fame ballots, but nothing about current players. And if you go to like a team page on MLB.com's right. website, and go to like the roster, they removed all the headshots of the players. The the headshots of the managers are still there, but they took the headshots of the players. Well, it's a away. different CBA. <laughs> How petty. Can you imagine telling the uh, intern, listen, we've got a job for you today. <laughs> Call up the website, and you're going to take off everything that deals with any type of player in this sport. It's incredible. It is honestly incredible that they, that like, they're. That was their main thing yesterday. Yes. You lock out the players, and 
instead of maybe meeting with your representative and saying, how can we get back to the table for seven minutes, which is how how long they met for, you're going to say, let's just clean the website of anything to deal with players. One of the top listed stories that isn't about the lockout is Pedro Martinez's 17 strikeout game. <laughs> Uh, where's Gibson's home run? Somebody, somebody yesterday was yelling. If I see Fernando Tatis yeah. on this website, you're all fired. Like it's unbelievably petty and major league baseball. I don't know whose idea was that by the way, like what owner was like, you know what? When I, I log mean, on in the morning to see MLB.com, I better not see a single story about Bryce Harper. I mean, I'm not a Manfred guy, but I'm even hoping Manfred wouldn't have thought of this. I don't think he would. I think like, he would have had a little more important things on yesterday to worry yeah, about. Because, like, Manfred's not the one. The owners are doing the lockout. Mm-hmm. This is, Manfred's, I mean, yes, he's officially employed by the owners. But, like, it's the owners that are doing the lockout here, not Rob Manfred. So I have to imagine this came from either, like, an owner directly had this idea or something. Because it's absurd. Now, I want to ask how big of a deal you think this is. There was a story uh, at uh, the Business Insiders about the baseballs that were used in Major League Baseball last year. There was a lot of talk about the baseballs that were going to be used and how, oh, they're going to deaden the ball up. They got to use more livelier balls, whatever. Last year, Major League Baseball used two different kinds of baseballs. They had one that was considered like more of a dead ball that wouldn't fly as far. That was what Major League Baseball wanted to put in place because they wanted to cut down on home runs and bring back, you know, more of the traditional game, you know, get some singles, bunt some people over. Uh, But there was also (laughs) the more livelier ball. And apparently Major League Baseball used both of these during the season. And the bigger news from that Business Insider story is that none of the players, managers, or front office executives that they talked to knew about it. Well, but the PA supposedly knew about it. According to the story, Major League Baseball Players Association was aware of it, but none of the players that they actually talked to had I mean, any idea that they were changing I guess baseballs. I might be bad at, mad at my union. Maybe. Because it's like, hey, can you you work for us? Can you please like let us know what's happening here? I mean, I'm all for livelier balls, so the other drop. The other accusation. <laughs> Come on it. The other <laughs> accusation by one of the sources here was that major league baseball was putting the livelier ball into effectively primetime games, big time games. So wow. you think of like the um, Sunday field night of dreams game, game or field like dreams yeah, Sunday night that they were putting the livelier ball in there. And that like, you know, Royals tigers and yeah, nobody's watching that. Give them the dead ball. It is like, to me, it's a big deal in terms of like, were they, Maybe not who would win the game, but were they trying to impact the outcome of the game by, you know, there's going to be more home runs in this one, blah, 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 by doing that. Because if that's what they were doing, that to me is a, it, that's a pretty big deal in terms of Major League Baseball. It's a big and, deal. I don't know if they would have been wanting to impact which team won. They just wanted the game to right. be more exciting. They just wanted, like, the field home of runs. dreams games had two yeah. home runs in the into ninth the, inning. Into the corn. Yeah. So there's, again... Business Insider did the story. There's some pretty good evidence of which balls were used because they went back and looked at the serial numbers and when they were made and all that. So, like, it seems pretty obvious that Major League Baseball was using two baseballs 
whether it was random which games they were in versus how, hey, Rob Manfred put in the call to say, get the get the livelier balls to Iowa. I don't know, but it does seem like a pretty crappy thing to do on Major yes. League Baseball's part. How much do you think players, had they known, I mean, does it change their approach? Well, oh, they would have just complained about it until it yeah, stopped. Yeah. Like they would have said, no, what do you mean? You're, cha- you're, right. you're giving Royals Tigers the dead ball, but you're giving right. White Sox Yankees the live ball? Hey, if you're pitching for the White Sox or the Yankees, you're like, what the hell? Trade me to the Royals, please. <laughs> so my ERA can go yeah. down by a run. So I I don't think there I think if the players had known, like, oh, they're just randomly mixing in these baseballs, they would have been like, well, this is a bunch of crap. Like, we're not doing this. Like, come on, like, get, give us one baseball to play with the entire year. Because they had complained about the baseball before in terms of, yes. you know, how it was acting or reacting off the bat and everything. And that's the complaint there. I mean, if you had the dead ball in the playoffs, Dodgers had some morning track power that could have changed the NLCS. Oh, well, you're going back to that already. I'm just letting you know. I also think the Braves got to hit the livelier I, balls while the Astros had to play with had, had, got to hit the dead balls in the World Series. I'm trying to figure out if the PA knew why they didn't say something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, that's kind of that's who they represent, and you'd think that they wouldn't want two different balls either. They'd want it all to be even and, and fair across the board. If that's they represent the entire game, they don't just rep- yeah. represent the Yankees and Dodgers. Unless it was like a complete oversight by the Players Association, and they just like didn't read it. <laughs> Well, you know this was probably buried in a 10-page memo, and in the middle of it, it's like, do we have to read all this stuff? (laughs) Just sign and accept. (laughs) What I was thinking was the, yeah, hey, we're thinking about maybe we're going to, like, use two different balls. Uh, Let us know what you think. Okay, will you let us know when? Never return email. Just literally leave it on red. So we got a lockout, and... I don't feel like this is getting done anytime soon. I'm just hoping it gets done before spring training. Nightingale said Rob Manfred hopes it stops before any games are missed. They de- they didn't miss regular season games the last time. We'll see about this time. He also said real quick that Manfred said no on-field rule changes have been proposed in the labor negotiations. So what has been this entire situation about the universal DH, if that's true? That considered an on-field rule change? I mean... On-field. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, he doesn't. He doesn't. No, no, he not. <laughs> his he whole thing hit. is he doesn't go on the field. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's player pay is what it comes down to. Like at the end yes, of the day, it comes that's down what to the is. money, like and everything. If I had to guess, the owners are not going to budge on very much of anything, and the players are going to have to decide: do we just take whatever the owners right. are offering, or do we start do missing we games, start losing money? And I doubt they miss too many games would be my bet here. I bet the players eventually accept whatever terms mm-hmm. they might get some concessions, but I bet at the end of the day, yeah. the owners win whatever yeah. 75% of this argument yeah. and which they usually do. Yeah. The players might, the players might get something cause they're like, we're not agreeing to the universal DH until you give us earlier free agency or something. And the owners are like, ah, we'll give you an extra year or something. But right. I don't think the players are going to get much out of this unless they actually do decide. Yeah. We'll miss a whole, they do that. Maybe they got a chance, but as we talked about yesterday, Hurts the players way more than the owners. There's a concessions joke that we missed. Like they can have as much from the concession stand as they they want. I couldn't work it out in time. Coming up next, Jeff Erickson will answer your fantasy football questions. 69187 is the text line. So if you have a fantasy football question for this week, text it in right now. 69187 is the number. Make sure you preface it 
with ESPN. So type ESPN and then whatever your fantasy football question is and send it to 69187. Jeff Erickson will answer your questions next. You know what? Someone once said games like this are like bubble gum. You chew them for a little bit and you spit them out. That's kind of what I'm doing, so I'm moving on. I, I, don't, I have no comments about last week because it's got bubble gum that's been spit out. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Is that what we do after bad shows? Chew up the bubble, gum, up and the bubble gum and spit it out out in the parking lot? We don't do bad shows, <laughs> at least not as bad as Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> plays, so we're good. Joining us now is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. If you have fantasy football questions, 69187 is the text line. We will answer your questions with Jeff Erickson. Preface your message with ESPN. So just type ESPN and then your question and send it to 69187. All right, Jeff, uh, before we get to su- some listener questions, have there been more running back injuries this year than usual? Um, it, it seems like it, especially especially in the wake of last week. Uh, it's certainly at the top. We've lost Chris McCaffrey two times now, and now for the rest of the season, Dalvin Cook has had multiple absences. Uh, Alvin Kamara is going to miss another game tonight. Uh, Derrick Henry is out for the season. Uh, you know, it, it, It's been a really, really tough time at the top of the draft board. Uh, so it's, it sure seems like it's been that case. And you know, frankly, you should, we shouldn't be surprised in the coming off the wake of last year's weird, you know, a, a, a truncated season that we see more injuries this, this subsequent season. But still, I, I have to look at the exact numbers to see because it, it just I don't want to go on just feel. I don't know the exact number on that though. Uh, speaking of running backs, do you grade Cream Hunt down further because of his father being a nut job? Boy. What's the, what's going on with Cleveland? <laughs> the dad. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're on a bye this week, but Chubb just did nothing. I mean, none of them did really anything last week. Right. Um, in, in Cleveland, when it, it is true, when they don't run the ball well, they're just they're they're, they're going to be in the struggle ball. That's their identity. That's what they do. They lost the right tackle early in that game, and I thought that was a big injury. And he's out for the season too. So that's a big loss for them. Uh, I I think that. Uh, yeah, I would downgrade Hunt just a smidge. I mean, we saw what happened with OBJ. I mean, I don't know what. Seems like there's a lot of things going on surrounding Baker Mayfield that doesn't really track really well. All right, I need some help. Do you trust that Jalen Hurts is going to play this weekend, or should I start Taysom Hill tonight? Oh man, uh, you, I, I would wait to see what happens with today's practice. You're going to have to take this down to the wire. Uh, I, although usually the Eagles practice kind of early, so it should be we'll, – we'll have a little bit more information. But if he doesn't have a full practice today, I'd probably go ahead and chase him. Here's the problem though with Jason Hill, Hill is it's not only that Kamara won't play, it's the two of their starting offensive linemen are also out, and that really scares me a little bit. Should I drop him for Taylor Heineke then? No. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> he's got a higher ceiling. Um, I, I actually think that Hurts will probably end up playing, and it's against the Jets which we want. Uh, so, you know, he was limited yesterday in practice. I think he'll be able to go. Uh, you know, it, it's obviously mobility is a big part of his game, though. So uh, if he's got a full practice, I'd go with third. Otherwise, I'd go with Hill tonight. All right, here we go. 69187 is the text line. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson, send them in right now to 69187. Preface your message with ESPN. First one. Uh, it is the flex spot in a half-point PPR league. Brandon Cooks or Mike Williams? Uh, I go Brandon Cooks on this one here. Mike Williams, just 
I never know what you're getting in any given week on him. Uh, it's, it's, it's really close, but I'm going Cooks. Uh, next one for you, quarterback spot, Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson? Kirk Cousins. I don't trust Wilson at all right now. I think there <laughs> might be a bounce back coming at some point. Just uh, the San Francisco corners are exploitable, but something's wrong with Russ. I, I just don't think he's all the way back. And I, I think that the coaching isn't all the way back either. I mean, Mike, how, how can you go a full half without targeting P.K. Metcalf even once? Just unbelievable uh, game against the, the football team on Monday night. We've had a lot of discussions about Derek Carr. He leads the league in passing and yet only nine touchdowns. They're a disaster in the red zone. So week to week with Derek Carr, where's his basic average ranking? Because they just he just doesn't get in the end zone as much. Yeah, I, I usually have him somewhere between 10 and 15 almost every single week. Right. Uh, and that's the case this week. I've got him at 14. It's not a bad matchup against the football team. Uh, they're playing better defense now uh, than they were earlier in the season. But I, I, you still can throw against them. Uh, it's just a question, like you said, the red zone is an issue there. Uh, you know, I, and he may not have Waller. And if he doesn't have Waller, you got to downgrade him. How good of a play is Foster Moreau if Darren Waller is out? He's around ten to fifteen among tight ends. Uh, I, you know, we've we've had more productive tight ends this year than we usually have, so that helps. I mean, although sometimes you know, the week to week would be a little maddening, like T.J. Hawkinson, for instance. Uh, it, it, had some really bad games, but he usually gets the volume in terms of tar- targets. So guys like that are, are still going to be ahead of uh, Foster Moreau. Uh, six nine one eight seven is the text line. Kadarius Tony or Damian Harris? Um, you mean I don't think Tony's going to play, so I'll go Harris. Uh, another one is Javante Williams or Dawson Knox. That's like Apple or a kumquat? Um, <laughs> I, just, I guess it's a flex play. Yes. Um, I, I, I will go Javante Williams. It's not a slam dunk, but I, I'll go Williams against KC on Sunday night. All right. We also have one that just says Bengals defense question mark. <laughs> it, it should be exclamation mark after last week, after that beautiful <laughs> clip you just played. As the one of the three Bengals fans on the West Coast, I really enjoyed that. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, this week, Against the Chargers, it's not a great matchup. Um, although, you know, we, we've seen that the Chargers are kind of the sibyl of the NFL. One week they're amazing, another week they, get, they can't get out of their own way. And last week was the latter. Uh, I expect they'll have a better game, but I've got them at, I got the Bengals defense at 16 this week. Patriots or Eagles defense? I assume this is because they're playing Buffalo because the Patriots defense has been so good, but Buffalo, I guess, always has that ability to go crazy in, on a given week when you never know. Right. I actually have them back-to-back in my rankings, six and seven, respectively. I go, go with the Pats over the Eagles. Uh, 69187 is the text line. Uh, Rashad Bateman or Cortland Sutton? Sutton. Uh, Bateman only got 45% of the snaps last week. I know Sutton's frustrating, too, but give me the guy that's going to be on the field more. Uh, 69187 is the text line. Do you care... When Jerry Jones says something that's like, hey, Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a big workload this week. <laughs> uh, you know, we've talked about that a couple of times. It's frustrating. It's really weird that Jerry Jones does so many of their injury reports, so many of their uh, discussions. <laughs> I, I, I know he, he has other people making decisions too, but it's almost intentional subterfuge sometimes because there's contradictory statements. There was a statement immediately after Thanksgiving game and then when Jones said a couple of days ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you have to listen to everything and then try to parse it out. 
Uh, I've got Zeke at 11 this week, and I'm going to do an re- update on my rankings later today. I might move him down a couple notches. All right. I assume this guy is looking to pick up a quarterback because he asked Matt Ryan, Taylor Heineke, Taysom Hill, or Tua? Go Tua. Uh, Tua's been playing really, really good football lately. Uh, you're not going to get too many deep throws, especially because Parker's working his way back. Fuller's not even practicing yet. But he, he's been incredibly accurate lately. Uh, plus, he gets a little bonus with the scrambles, too. I think it's Tua versus Taysom Hill is the, is the question there. Has to be a flex. Uh, Devin Singletary or Kenyon Drake? Um, I'm going to go Devin Singletary on this one here. I, I don't know how much work Drake's going to get in any given week. Uh I don't know how much Singletary is going to get for that matter, but I, I'm guessing the Pats are going to try to force the, the Bills to run the ball. And so Singletary is going to get a little bit more work this week. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire answering your fantasy football questions. Wait, oh, Jared, what do you want to ask? Oh, no. Elijah Mitchell or oh, Amari Cooper? Boo, wrong question, Jared. Oh. Wrong question. Oh, sorry, sorry. Aaron Rodgers or Jalen Hurts? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be neither. Uh, but first, <laughs> obviously with Rogers out, but, uh, you know, keep, keep an eye on that uh, practice report so you can tip it in there. But I'll I'll take I love Elijah Mitchell this week too. Number five on my list. Elijah Mitchell. I told you that before the show, Jared. See Tyler Bischoff from RotoWire. He's Jeff Erickson. Check out RotoWire.com. Jeff, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good day. Take care, guys. So, yeah, except he's an actual expert. I know. I can tell you though. Elijah Mitchell's better than. Amari COVID Cooper. I just need to know who I'm starting in this flex because my entire team is on by. (laughs) Overrated. All right. Coming up next, we're going to get into the Raiders because guess what? They signed one of those long snappers that was at home selling insurance. First of all, Mm -hmm. as I told coach, whoever took you out, John, that was a paid assassin. Okay. That, that was one of the best hit jobs that I've been ever been around. Okay. They did. They didn't go to their media goombas. They didn't leak this to Adam Schefter, uh, or one of those guys who breaks stories. They first went to the wall street journal and when Gruden was still coaching after that, then they dumped the rest of it on the New York times. That was a professional hit job, but I want to tell everybody that I'm not completely sure it was somebody in the NFL. There was a second lawsuit involved, okay, uh, between the owner, Snyder of Washington, and a former general manager. And that means that a lot of outside people had access to those emails. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Grady and Tyler Bischoff. Paid assassin took out John Gruden. How much do you think they got paid? I mean, I would have done it for free. <laughs> uh, Britt Musburger adds the list of people who are more worried about the emails being leaked as opposed to what John Gruden actually said in the emails. That was a fireable offense. However, they got leaked is secondary to what John to what John Gruden wrote said in the emails. But big news. The Raiders have signed Carson yeah. Tinker. Darn right they did. A long snapper, signed to the practice squad. So Trent Siege, normal long snapper, is on the COVID list. If he's unable to play, obviously would need a long snapper, despite my protest about just making the center do it. Uh, they apparently would use a regular long snapper to do it. Carson Tinker went to Alabama, uh, was Jacksonville's long snapper for four seasons. He got hurt in 2017. 
missed that entire season. He played five games in 2018. He was also Tampa Bay's long snapper for a good chunk of this season. Their long snapper apparently got hurt in week one, uh, missed about 10 weeks and is now back. So Carson Tinker was released and the Raiders signed Carson Tinker to their practice squad. So Trent Siege can't go. We're likely seeing Tinker as the long snapper. But here's my question. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the week. What was Carson Tinker doing in 2019 and 2020? Because he was not in the NFL. I, I feel like I nailed this when, when I said that you just go find a long snapper. Yeah. I mean, you had me at Alabama. <laughs> the kid played for Alabama. He's got to be a good lens. He's got a couple rings. Yeah, his, exactly. his Wikipedia page says he went undrafted but was considered the best long snapper in his class. You, again, I hate you that do, because now it's playing into your theory, and I don't like that. I wanted him to be drafted like in the fifth round to really show you how important long snappers are. Not important at oh, all. Very important. This Just guy let gonna, Andre James do it. This guy could be the difference on Sunday between six and six and seven and five. You get Andre James snapping it over AJ Cole's head, and it's like a seven-seven game. That wouldn't be good. Listen, if this guy has a bad snap, oh. Monday, we're not, we're not talking about anything else yeah, in the can game. Can you imagine a three-hour three rundown? I'll call up the rundown, and it'll say 7 to 10 LS, long snapper. <laughs> if this guy's got a bad snap, oh, I win. <laughs> I will give you that because I'm very confident in Carson Tinker that he will not have a bad snap. He gets to practice all week. He's done he this. He gets to practice all week. Yeah. He gets to practice all week. He's done this. So can well, Andre Rich James. Versace, Rich Versace actually said that yesterday in a, in a roundabout way. He said he had a good practice yesterday. He'll keep improving as the week goes on. Well, if anyone's going to if anyone's gonna have a take on whether or not the long snapper is doing it, better, well, be, it Rich better be Rich Versace. Exactly. He's being the special teams coordinator. He's looking over there, and he's going, those are good snaps. <laughs> All right, walk other, me through the offense. Yeah, on the other field where those guys are and no one ever looks at them or sees them. The head coach, though, is over there now being like, what the hell are you guys doing? Why are you holding your thumbs <laughs> behind your hand? Use your thumbs. Okay, well, I don't know if we got into it enough, the fact that the special teams coordinator gets elevated to head coach and then suddenly all the special teams people are out here being like, all right, what if we get into a fight <laughs> with no thumbs? And now this guy gets hurt, and they're signing Carson Tinker to the squad. Because literally, the teacher left the room, and now yeah. there's chaos. They used to have to meet with Rich Versace, and now he's got to talk to everybody else. Those so, guys are just like playing games in the yeah, room and stuff. Daniel Carlson, AJ Cole, and Trent Seaton look around like, "What are we supposed to do, guys? I don't know. Go teach Andre James how to snap <laughs> is what you should be doing. Get it together." So Carson Tinker. Your new long snapper. Maybe. We'll see. I guess Trent Siege technically hasn't been ruled out, but Carson Tinker is on the practice squad. And I assume that means he'll get elevated. Who? Which poor guy got cut because of Carson Tinker, by the way? I just saw the email, and the subject line was Raiders sign long snapper, and I said, I don't need to open this. <laughs> so I don't really even know who. Did you skip they the did email? It. I just pulled it up, too. They did not uh, say who moved make on? a corresponding move. Oh. Okay, maybe they maybe had they, a spot. Maybe they had an open spot. They had an open spot. So they've been wasting two here. Um, yeah. By the way, um, Green and Regulation on Twitter, uh, he just asked, what number is Tinker trying to order a jersey? I don't know. Does he have a jersey? Practice squad? He might not. Yeah. Were you out? Was I was out, out there, there yesterday. Did you see him? Come on. I was out there yesterday, and there was 
we were look it, it didn't end up being this way, but there was a certain position group where we thought we heard an assistant coach say he'll be here if he tests negative. So we went over to that position group, said, uh-oh, we've got a scoop here. A scoop. Vinny's got a scoop. We're going with it. And then everyone was in that position oh, group, so we didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. Um, breaking news, Carson Tinker is number 46, according to the okay. Raiders roster. Go get, go get green. Go get a uh, greeny. Get a, get a jersey. 46? Yep. 46. That's not a bad number. Is Carson Tinker's not a bad number. number. I like so, that. So I like should... it better than like. 99 or something, or 98 or 97, 96. Trent, Trent Siege is uh, 47. Oh. So he comes in one What if they had given him Siege's number said, hey, Ooh, get out of you're here, not Trent. playing this week. Get out of here, Trent. All they'd have to do is like change the name on the back of the jersey. They could keep the same jersey. <laughs> Some guy's back there at midnight. Like, <laughs> he's got an Siege iron. Up. He's just got an iron. Don't he's don't ironing change out the name. Don't even change the name. Just, <laughs> that would be great if he went out there and the put him out there and Siege is the same number. Nobody oh, will know man. the difference. It'll be perfectly fine. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Carson Tinker. And I, I was wrong. He wasn't signed to the practice squad. He was signed to the real team. He's on the active roster right now. So, Carson Tinker. He's your long snapper We're for Sunday's game. We're getting some snaps on Sunday yeah. from Carson. Don't mess it God, up or I'm crushing you. I hope he doesn't mess up.